2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, Paul writes to Timothy and he says this, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know, who, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. I want to minister from that text and particularly from verse 13. I want to preach how to hold on, how to hold on. You may be seated. There doesn't seem to be, and, and sometimes we can look around at our world today and we can, we can wring our hands a little bit and how things have changed. There's moments where we look around and we wonder, is there anything that I can hold on to anymore? Are there any institutions that are trustworthy anymore? Used to, we could trust the government. Seems like nobody trusts the government. Used to, we could trust the news media. Seems like nobody trusts the news media, media anymore. Seems like there was a day when we could trust the schools to do the right thing. No longer can we trust the schools to do the right thing. You can even shrink it down on a more micro level, and you can acknowledge that there's even a lot of generational distrust, and there's children that don't really trust their parents or grandparents anymore, and in fact, manifests itself in different ways. Uh, there's, there's so much technology at our fingertips these days that the things we used to have to go to older generations to find out and discover, we can go to YouTube. And so there's, there's even a growing gap in, in that we even really have to interact with one another, and it kind of breeds some distrust and some suspicion. There's even those that are suspicious of the church. There's, they're really suspicious of any, any authority figure or institution uh, that's in our world today, and no one is really exempt from it at all. And you can look at a world in, in a setting like that, and you can ask, what in the world can I hold on to? In a setting like that where it doesn't seem like anything can be trusted and everything is held under a cloud of suspicion, what in the world can I hold on to? You can trust in this today that God has a plan for the world. You can look around at the world and you can wring your hands and you can wonder what on earth is going on, but you can be assured of this today that God still has a plan for the world. God is in control. It doesn't matter how out of control your world feels right now at this moment, God is in control. God has a plan for the world. Nothing is catching God by surprise. And God will set things right in the world. God will make things right. His kingdom will prevail. I read in Matthew chapter 7 when Jesus is teaching the Sermon on the Mount. At the very end of his teaching, he tells this story and has this moment of teaching. And he says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine... And does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the, rock, the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew on that and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. And the house that was built on the sand fell and great was its fall. I'm talking this morning about how 
to hold on in a world that seems out of control, in a world, maybe your world, that feels like there's nothing left to hold on to. Holding on isn't an admission of defeat. Sometimes we can say, just if I could just hold on for another day. It isn't necessarily an admission of defeat to say that I need something I can hold on to. When you say, I need something to hold on to, what you're really saying is, I'm not sufficient for everything that's going on in my life and in the world around me. When we say, I need something to hold on to, we're saying, I want to do what's wise in the eyes of the Lord. I want to say, I need to have faith in something that's beyond me. I need something to hold on to. Matthew chapter 7 strikes a line all the way down the human population of the earth. Some are building and living on the rock and holding on to Jesus Christ. And others are building and living on the sand. There are fundamentally two groups of people, even in this room this morning, and only you know which side you're going to truly fall on. There are people that are holding on, and there are people that are slipping away. I'm going to slow down let that saturate for a moment. There are those that are holding on to God and what he is doing in this world and in their life. And there are those who are slipping and falling away. I'm talking this morning about holding on because I know this much. None of us have the strength to stand on our own. None of us have the the youngest, strongest person in the room right now, the smartest person, the wealthiest person, the person with the most possessions, the person that's achieved the most, you don't have the ability to stand on your own. I'm not just talking to the people that feel a little bit broken and shook up this morning. I'm talking to the one that feels comfortable. I'm, 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 I'm speaking right now to the one that feels strong, that feels like everything is clicking along just like it should. You may, not, you may not have been in the prayer line this morning for healing in your body. I'm speaking to you today. You do not have the strength to endure what this life is going to throw at you. You do not have the strength or the merit to stand on judgment day on the basis of your own good works. You have to find something to hold on to today. Jesus wasn't talking about the storms of life when he told that story about the, the, the house built on the rock and the house, a lot of times we think he's talking about the storms of life. And the storms of life are real. But Jesus is not primarily discussing the storms of life in Matthew chapter 7. He's speaking about the judgment day. The coming judgment of the Lord. And when God returns and sets everything right, you'd better be on the right side of the line. You'd better be holding on to him in that day and not slipping and falling away. You'd better not be searching for answers in yourself and saying, I'm going to make it on the basis of who I am and what I'm doing. You'd better be holding on to him. You're going to get to that moment where you're looking for something to hold on to. You're looking for something to make sense of what's going on in your life. Let me try to help someone here today. When life goes sideways, that's not the time to look for something to hold on to. When the storm arrives at your house, that's not the day to start looking for something to hold on to. 
Let me zoom it out and say, when that judgment day comes and we're standing in front of that great white throne of judgment and our entire life is being called into account and it, ha- it jumps on us like a thief in the night, that is not the day to start looking for something to hold on to. Brothers and sisters, today is the day to find something to hold on to that is going to stand the test of time. I know you may feel strong in your body. I know you may feel confident in your bank account. But today, today, I wish I could spiritually shake somebody up today and tell them life is not as secure as it feels right now. Because in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, God is going to sound that trumpet and we're going to be called home. And we're going to be standing at that great, great white throne of judgment. And in that day, each of us is going to need something to hold on to. You'd better be established on something you can count on that you can hold on to i'm thinking this morning of a story in first kings chapter 17 the word of the lord says in verse 17 that it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick this was a woman who'd had interactions with the prophet elijah and there'd been a famine in the land and elijah had come along and he had performed a miracle according to her faith and they had been preserved uh, in the middle of this drought and famine And God had worked a miracle and given them sustenance and made provision for her house. And the woman that that owned the house, the son of that woman, became sick. And the sickness was so serious, the word of the Lord says, that there was no breath in this young man's body. So the woman said to Elijah, what have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? And Elijah said to her, give me your son. And so he took him out of her arms and carried him to an upper room where he was staying and laid him on his own bed. And Elijah cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodge by killing her son? And he stretched himself out over that young man three times and he cried out to the Lord that God would send this child's soul back into that there would be life that would come back to this young man. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came back to him and he revived. And Elijah took the child back downstairs from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, now by this I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. Now just imagine, we know how the story ends because I just read it in your hearing, but imagine being this woman. Imagine being and living in the middle of a drought and a famine and the Lord having miraculously provided for you according to your faith by the ministry of the prophet. And just a few days go by and what seems like your life has turned the corner and things are starting to get better for you. All of a sudden you come into the house one day and your child, your son is seriously ill and and, and you think and there doesn't appear to be any, he's not breathing, and it appears that this is uh, unto death. And she's now at the place thinking, you know, I, I didn't ask for this. She's looking at the man of God in her house, looking at the presence of God in her house and saying, well, can't you just leave me alone? Can't I just have an unbothered and ordinary life? Why why'd you even stick around? We have nothing in common. What have I ever done to you? Elijah, did you, did you come all the way out here to make sure we had enough to eat only, to, only for my son to die and for this other tragedy to befall my house? 
is God the God just of my yesterdays or is he the God of my todays? What, did, could he only work a miracle back uh, last week when I was starving and needed food and he's not God today in the middle of my calamity and my tragedy today? Is this what you've come to do, Elijah? Is this what you've come to do in my life, God, to cause me to reach the place where I let my guard down and I get a little bit comfortable even just for a week or two and then this happens? I don't know what that woman was thinking, but I, I, I've seen people in the middle of tragedy and, and, and anytime we're in the middle of a moment like that, we start to ask questions and we start to reach for something to hold on to, don't we? These weren't cries of a hatred or a vindictive spirit, but I have to imagine in that house that day when she came across that young boy that was sick unto death, that there were screams of frustration and wails of disappointment. From an individual who thought last week that they'd experienced rock bottom. But now she's beside herself. She's having difficulty processing the events that had led her to this point. Her husband had died. She had no husband. Her husband had passed away. There was a severe drought in the land. And, and there was famine that accompanied it. And Elijah had come and a miracle had occurred and saved them from death and provided for them miraculously. And then there was the severe illness of her son. And it leads to death. And I have to imagine this woman thinking, reaching for something to hold on to, searching for some kind of meaning in all of this and saying, God, why did you fill my pantry just to take my son away? I can't understand the logic and the timing behind what's happening in my life, God. And in moments like that, all of us look for something to hold on to. I want to ask you today, and I'm asking how am I going to hold on? What are you holding on to and how am I going to hold on? The circumstances of life could have driven her away from God. Away from the miraculous. Away from healing. Away from recovery. And whenever our feelings start to get the best of us, we need to hold on to what we know. I ministered recently made the remark that our world is dominated by feelings right now. People are being driven by feelings, and feelings and emotions are real, and they have their place. But they don't get the final say. And our whole world is being driven by feelings and emotions. All it takes is one person to feel a certain way, and it can set off a chain of events that is catastrophic. There's people that are changing their biological identity based on how they feel. It's pretty extreme times that we're living in with regards to feelings. And when the storm comes knocking on your door, and when you start to consider your own salvation, you don't need to look to your feelings in that moment. You need to look for what you know. Paul wrote to Timothy, and he says, I know him in whom I have trusted. When you're looking for something to hold on to, don't reach for your feelings. I'm pausing here because this is against the grain of everything that's going on in our world right now. The world is trying to have us to be dominated by our feelings and our emotions and to let those carry the day. And if we allow that to happen, you're going to reach a place one day, God forbid, but you're going to have a moment like this lady in 1 Kings chapter 17. And in that moment, if you breathe in enough of the air of this world, you're going to allow feelings to have the final say. 
because you're going to be desperately looking for something to hold. What was it that I had in my life that I was going to hold on to? What was that thing that, that they said at church? What was that thing that I read? What was that thing that God gave to me? What was that? And, and you're going to be searching, scrambling for something to hold on to, to keep your world from spinning and tumbling. And if you haven't already decided what you know for certain to be true, you will find a feeling. You'll find a feeling to hold on to, and it will not lead you in the right direction. It will deceive you. It will lead you in the wrong direction. You need to hold on to what you know. Someone here knows what I'm talking about right now because you've gone through a season, you're in a season right now that you're having to hold on to what you know. Your feelings are telling you all kinds of things, but you're having to every day do a reset and go back to the Word of God. That's why it's important to have daily time in the Word. That's why it's important to have daily time in prayer. We can't skip it. Turn to your neighbor and say every day. We have to have it every day. We have to have it every day. What happens, I love what happens here on Sundays. I love what happens here on Wednesdays. But those two isolated gatherings are not sufficient. They don't constitute everything that we need to hold on to. There are things that God wants to give to you in prayer. I say it regular, but I'm going to say it again. You can hear from God. You can hear from God. You don't have a priest. You have a pastor. You have people of God in your life. You do not have a priest. You don't need a mediator. There's only one mediator between God and men. It's the man Christ Jesus. Don't sell yourself short. You're looking for something to hold on to. Brothers and sisters, don't hold on to me. <laughs> hold on to him. Go straight to him. Let's help one another. Let's encourage one another. Let's build one another up. Let's let every, every part of the body give what it can supply to the health of the body and the growth of the body. But at the end of the day, you need to be looking to him. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. He's the one that you need to hold on to. talk about salvation for a minute Hebrews chapter 6 says this when God made a promise to Abraham Abraham had to have some things to hold on to Abraham was called out of Ur God called him to Canaan he didn't know where he was going or what exactly he was looking for but he was searching for a city whose builder and maker was God when God made a promise to Abraham, Hebrews chapter 6 says, because he could swear by no one greater, God swore by himself, saying, surely I will bless you, and in multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he, Abraham obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation for them is an end of all dispute. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things which, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have the strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope that is set before us. To lay hold of the hope that is set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, 
both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. God made a promise to Abraham. He told Abraham, I'm going to save this world. I'm going to redeem this world. And that promise is still alive today. You may look around at the world today or even your life and say things have never been more out of control or seem more upside down and inside out than they've ever been than they are right now. But we are the children of Abraham by faith. And the promise that God made to Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to set everything right. Abraham, I'm going to save this world. I'm going to redeem. God doesn't throw anything away. Abraham, I'm going to save this world. I'm going to redeem this world. That promise is ours to hold on to because we are the children of Abraham by faith. We are the heirs of that promise of salvation that God said, I'm not going to leave you all to self-destruct. I'm going to step in and save this world and redeem it from the power of Satan. And the hope of the salvation that Abraham held on to is the same hope that you can hold on to today. The book of Hebrews says, it is a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. It is something that you can hold on to. If there's nothing else in your life that you know for sure, you need to know for sure that Jesus Christ came and he, was, he, he died, he, he was buried, and he was resurrected. The death, burial, and resurrection is a historical fact, and you need to understand it and hold on to it even when everything in your else in your life seems untrustworthy. When there's nothing else in this world you think you can hold on to, and there's no one you think you can count on, and there's nothing you know for certain know for certain this Jesus Christ loves you he is God's plan to save this world he died and was buried and rose again so that your sins can be dealt with so that you can make heaven and spend eternity with him that is the promise of Abraham that God is going to save this world and you can be saved along with it it isn't your past that qualifies you your faith qualifies you. Holding on isn't an admission of defeat. Holding on is a demonstration of wisdom and faith. When we look back and we see the promises that God has made about what he's going to do in the world, and we reach back to those promises and say, that's for me. That's faith. I'm going to hold on to that even when everything else seems like it can't be depended upon anymore. That isn't weakness. It isn't defeat. It isn't you raising the, right, the white flag over your life. It's faith. It's wisdom. It's holding on to the promise of God for what God is going to do in this earth and what God wants to do in your life. And if you are here today and you're searching in your life, for something that you can hold on to. I would submit to you. You need to become acquainted in a Bible study. With the plan that God has for the world. And the plan of salvation. Not just for the world. But for your life. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That can be applied to your life. By repenting of your sins. And being baptized in the name of Jesus. For the remission of your sins. And then God wants to fill you with the gift of his spirit. It's a plan that you can hold on to. It is a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. I'm preaching this morning about how 
to hold on. The musicians would come. I've spent the last few moments in Hebrews chapter 6 describing in a nutshell what you need to hold on to. God has a plan that he's been unfolding since the beginning of time. A plan of salvation for the whole world. And that's what we need to hold on to. But I want to return to the original thought and the original question this morning. Because it's what I think is lingering in the hearts of individuals even here today. How do I hold on? You're thinking right now. Speaking to the person right now that's thinking, you know, I I don't know if I'm strong enough to hold on. I I don't trust myself. To hold on when the storm comes. How am I going to hold on? The good news this morning is that God has sent you a help. God has sent you a help. I'm not very complicated this morning. In fact, I hope that it's accessible to everybody in the room and it's understandable and digestible to every person that's here listening this morning. But God has sent you a help. And if you're wondering how in the world am I going to make it another day, how am I going to hold on? Brother Dustin, I'm in a storm of life, and I, I, that's, I'm scrambling, and I'm reaching for things, and I'm looking for something to hold on to. Brother Dustin, I see what's going on in our world today. My, my world may be okay, but I look around at the world around me, and I recognize that this is fixing to wrap up, and that there's going to come a judgment day, and I need to find something to hold on to. How am I going to hold on? God has sent you a help. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, where we began at just moments ago, Paul wrote to Timothy and says, I know him in whom I've trusted, and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. And then he goes on to tell Timothy, here's the key, hold fast the pattern of sound words which you've heard from me in faith and in love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing that's been committed to you, keep it, hold on to it by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us how do you hold on that's the key you hold on with the help of the Holy Ghost dwelling in you the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy Timothy was facing challenges he was starting works in a distant part of the world he was fighting battles and the Apostle Paul couldn't be there with him in person the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to him it was going to be the last piece of correspondence that he sent to him And his words to Timothy, Timothy, you're going to fight battles. Timothy, there's going to be trials. Timothy, there's going to be sand traps along the way. There's going to be things that happen and things that you encounter that turn your world inside out and upside down. And you're not going to know who you can trust anymore. Timothy, those things are all going to come. But I know this, Timothy. If you'll stay full of the Holy Ghost... If you'll stay full of the Holy Ghost and you'll have the Spirit of God living and dwelling inside of you, when you feel like you can't hold on any longer, Timothy, the Holy Ghost will hold on for you. That's why it's important to have a Pentecostal experience for yourself. We need, you need a personal Pentecost. What do you mean by that, preacher? I mean you need to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And you need to be praying in the Spirit regularly. You need to have an audience with God in your personal prayer on a daily basis. 
because it's that spirit that dwells inside of each and every one of us. It's that spirit that if you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, that spirit of God, when you aren't able to hold on any longer, Paul wrote to Timothy and said, the Holy Ghost will help you hold on. I'm going to circle back and say again what I said earlier. You're not sufficient. If you're thinking, ah, I think I've got a pretty good grip on things. I think I've got a pretty good grip on things right now, Brother Dustin. I don't know if this message is for me today. I pray, I pray right now that you have the wisdom, that God would give you the wisdom and the foresight to see that the way it is today is not necessarily the way it's always going to be. I pray that God and the Holy Ghost would shake somebody right now and allow them to see, I can't do it on my own. I can't hold on on my own. I must be filled with the Spirit of God. I must have a living and active relationship with God. There's a story, I had to read it in school. It's about a man named Odysseus. It was an old Greek story called the Odyssey. There was a point in the journey where they're sailing and they're going through this piece of territory and it's a known hazard along the way. There's these creatures called sirens. Maybe you've read the story. These creatures called sirens and they would sing and they had this irresistible song and it was known this is a, this is a story so this is fiction of course. The, the men on board the ship would, would leap over the, the side of the ship something about the sound, something about the allure would pull them off of the ship and they would leap into the ocean waters below and they would drown trying to reach these sirens. And It was a major hazard, it was a known hazard and they started to approach this territory and Odysseus was so determined to not become separated from where he was going that he told, famously, he told his shipmates, he said, lash me to the mast of the ship. I'm going to have to hear some things. I'm going to have to endure some things. I'm going to have some things come my way. But I'm not going to jump off of this boat. I'm not going to leave this journey that I'm on. And so they took him and they, they lashed him and they took a, a rope like this and they attached him to the pillar, the mast of the ship, and they wrapped him around it as tight as they could. And as they passed through those troubled waters, Brother Burke, he heard the sound of everything that was going on around him. But he was able to hold on to what he knew he needed to be and where he knew he needed to go. And I just think that the Holy Ghost can serve that kind of a purpose in somebody's life here today. You're going through waters that are uncharted. You're going through things. And maybe it's not happening in your personal world, but maybe you're just living life in this world. And it's uncharted, and it's unknown, and it's got nonsense going on, and there's voices calling out to you. Somebody, there's temptation that's being placed into your eardrums. 
and there's things that your eyes come into, and it's just living in this world that we live in, and somebody today, you need to make up your mind and tell the people around you, just attach me to the mast of the ship. I'm not going to let go. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to hold on because I'm full of the Holy Ghost. I've got God's Spirit living inside of me. I've got a living and active relationship with Him, and I'm not going to let go. I've come too far to let go. I'm here to hold on. I'm going to hold on to what God's doing in my life. I'm going to hold on to what God wants to do in my family. I'm not going to let go today. Lash me to the mast of the ship. And if I have to go down with the ship, I'll go down with it. But I'm not going to get pulled off of this boat. I want to be a part of the plan that God has for this world. I want to be a part of the plan that God has for my life. I've come too far to let something pull me off of the plan and the journey of God today. I'm trying to teach somebody today. There's a way that you can hold on. You must be filled with the Holy Ghost. Stand with me all over this room right now. There is a path and a plan to salvation and victory in the house this morning. You can make it through the storm that you're coming up on today. You can live for God in this world that we live in today. But it's only going to happen because you're full of the Spirit of God. You're not sufficient to do it on your own. And only thing I've hoped to accomplish today is to let somebody be able to answer the question. How am I going to hold on? How am I going to hold on? It's not an admission of defeat or weakness. It's an admission of reality. It's an admission of wisdom. It's a demonstration of faith to say I have to find something to hold on to that's bigger than me. I refuse. I refuse to be pulled off into the dark waters of this world. I refuse to let the world have its way with my family. I will hold on. Lift up your hands all over this place if that's your declaration this morning. These altars are open. They're going to sing. Today is the day to respond. Brothers and sisters, if this is not a tomorrow message, this is a today message. You need to respond in faith right now because when the storm arrives at your house, you don't need to be looking for what you're going to hold on to. You need to find it today. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost today. You need to find an audience with God today. Step out of where you are, brothers and sisters. If you're going to declare, I'm going to hold on. Come on, somebody, you're going through it right now.